Price for Wednesday, July 19th, 2023. Coming to you from the Go-Go Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee. And that's here at the iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. If you're out by the airport, if you have an early flight, say, or somebody's visiting, you're visiting, might we suggest the Weston Wall Center YVR get some rest and relaxation in those plush, heavenly beds. Matt Sikaris alongside Blake Price, Grace Ass hitting switches, and conducting things, and this show, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. And last week, Blake and I toured Applewood Nissan Richmond. And, Blake, did you know that there is an animal hospital above Applewood Mitsubishi, right next door to Applewood Nissan I, went, I walked yes, over to Applewood there's Mitsubishi. There's an animal hospital uh, atop there on the second level. That's just part of what we've been telling you about with the Applewood Auto Group being a leader in community giving. And right now, you can get yourself into the Nissan Sentra for $83 weekly, the 23 Kicks from 65 weekly, and the 23 Rogue from $99 weekly because, Blake, it's all good. At Applewood. Bodog poll question today. Can you afford to go to Canucks games? Yes or no? Vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. I like Tommy Fleetwood to win the Open Championship. But if I can use a horse racing term here, I'm going to box him with these two chance options available on Bodog. Fleetwood or Victor Hovland wins? That pays nine times your bet. Fleetwood or defending champion Cameron Smith wins? That pays 10 times your bet on the Bodog line of the day. In terms of Vancouver Canucks games, uh, well, I can afford single-game tickets, certainly not season tickets. I have been very selective in games that I've paid for over the years. Now, part of that is professional hazard. You spend enough time in press boxes, you lose that sort of the magic, yes, special, yeah, you know, going yeah. out, to, which is in fact one of the things that is. Uh, you okay over there? Oh my God, not my computer. I'm on a foreign computer today. Okay, I think the last time I bought Canucks tickets was Sedin's final home game. Although I may still own owe our buddy Tom from Chicago for those tickets, uh, uh, but I do go to several games a year. And I enjoy it. I look at season ticket holders over the last 10 years and go, boy, you must really love hockey or really love getting out of the house because the product you have watched at the prices you have paid is quite an equation. And um, look, we talked about it yesterday. Everybody has their own motivations for going to Canucks games, buying season tickets. In some cases, it's just about what's on the ice. In other cases, it's about who you're with, right? Whether that's a child, whether that's a friend, what have you. Uh, I saw a lot of griping yesterday about the ticket prices with the single-game tickets going on sale. Uh, Understandably so. The NHL has become such an expensive ticket. And in fact, you could argue disproportionately expensive because it's right there with leagues like the NBA that are just much more popular Mm -hmm. than they are, certainly on a global scale. So um, I I do think NHL teams, including the Vancouver Canucks, have priced many, many people uh, 
out of season tickets for sure. And in a lot of cases, even single game tickets with what is a tough economy here and a very, very high cost of living. And yet, as we've talked about, Blake, there's enough wealthy people in this market and enough people who just want to be seen at the Canucks game or consider it an event and don't necessarily care as much about who wins, who loses, or how the team is being managed, that I do think that their attendance at this stage of the game is kind of baselined. You're not going to see terrible crowds at Rogers Arena, no matter how bad it gets, unless they are uh, besmirched by some sort of scandal going forward. Well, like, if that, you have a huge scandal going forward, maybe that is something. There's that been can. some interesting pushes and pulls on ticket demand over the last couple of years like from ownership making headlines with scandals and, and um, you know, the, the treatment of Boudreaux, that sort of stuff, you know, turning people off. But at the same time, after a decade, really, of, of losing seasons, save for a couple of little blips, um, they do, for the most part, play a pretty entertaining brand of hockey. Like, they do have enough people scoring goals. Well, they're way better now than they were in, say, the Willie Desjardins. That's what I'm I mean, that was just unwatchable hockey. I mean, you And those stars, right? Like, there's nobody no. really to cheer on. No. Aging I mean, yeah. Sedins, and that's it. That's it. Um, so they do have figureheads to cheer on now, which is a huge step in the right direction. Um, what they need now to really bring in the casual fan again, to get uh, the middle class person to say, I'm willing to overspend to come see you. What they need is a pseudo competitive. And I don't, and I say pseudo competitive in that, you know, if, as long as you're slightly above 500, two, three games above 500 on the season. Whether you have a realistic shot at the playoffs or not, you're at least mathematically there for yeah, the like season. Be in the thick of it for an entire season. Right. We haven't seen that in a long time since the bubble. Don't put yourself out of it, and and let's hope for the miracle you can climb back into it. Like That can't be the plot line. You're going to lose the casual that way. Keep your head above water. Even if you're going to drown eventually, keep your head above water for a little longer, please to uh, keep us all interested. So I think that's what the next step is, to to get the Canuck ticket back to the the demand that it needs to be. Keep us mm -hmm. interested for a little longer. Yeah. Well, because the other thing that I've noticed, again, for the better part of the last decade, is that you know the Vancouver Canucks will pepper you with emails about how cheap the games are coming up on this Tuesday or yeah. next Wednesday or... Yeah, like if you're you know, like, here's the rollout. Here's our season ticket base. Here's the rollout of single game tickets. But for the lower profile games, the opponents that don't have a lot of sizzle, or games that are just on a week, like a Monday night, you're you're likely going to get some sort of follow up, or you're going to be able to get in the building. In some cases, for less than the face value of the ticket, they've been having a lot of sales. So why would you buy now? Like our our collaborators here at Go Goat Sports, they have season tickets. And give away a lot of them. Yeah. And that's the other complaint that I've heard from season ticket holders over the years, particularly, and I know a lot of people share season tickets, which I think is a very smart way to do it because you get, I mean, do you really need 41 games? Also, you know, you've always got somebody who, if you can't make it, you say, hey, you can take those. And the ice packs may, may not have the and games you want. It, so Fair yeah. enough. Right. Exactly. But, uh, you know, the, the, the 
complaint I've heard from season ticket holders over the last 10 years, which was never a thing in the heyday when they were lifting presence uh, trophies and being one of the best teams and best run organizations in the league and, frankly, in all of sports, is that I can't give my tickets away. Mm -hmm. That they wind up eating the cost of midweek games. Yeah. Did or you, low profile opponents? Did you guys see this thread from Canuck Clay yesterday? He basically went through all the games on Ticketmaster for individual prices. Oh, did he really? And he made tiers of them. So yeah. you know, certain oh, obviously and, the marquee games, the bottom tier, the sixth level. There's ten games in there, but they had New Jersey, Buffalo, and Los Angeles, which you know, pretty decent team. So oh, Buffalo could be a lot of fun this yeah. year. Yeah, same and thing with New Jersey, Jersey. Has played a very satisfying so pleasing. Uh, brand of hockey for several there, years now. There's definitely course, some good deals out there for certain yeah. games, not like you know Toronto, yeah. Montreal, Boston level, right? But still worthwhile and, going and entertaining. And, and, and that's the other thing. I am completely okay with dynamic pricing. Yeah, for because sure. if I'm being honest with myself, they're not equal. I'm paying more to see Connor McDavid. I'll pay more to see Connor Bedard, who we have on the show today. When I used to live back east, my uncle had Montreal Canadian season tickets. And at the beginning of the year, he'd ask me, is there a game or two you want to go to? And we always picked a Saturday night game where the opponent had a marquee player. Mm -hmm. So I saw Anaheim with Solana and Cree. I saw Washington back then with Yarmir Yager, not Alexander Ovechkin, dating myself a little. I mean, those great stars, those price of admission guys... They should be a more expensive ticket than Columbus on a Tuesday night. So I get zero problem with the way that we've tiered pricing on on these tickets now because the labor is the product and the best hockey players in the world are just worth more. Well, and we had the feedback from the uh, – and I've heard this from my daughter as well that, you know, she go to a game with her boyfriend – 25 to 40 bucks as well for on a lot of those games. Those are the games they make available for student pricing right, as well. Right. And they're getting a flood of university students in there. Which who, is smart marketing. It's smart marketing. I, I do wonder how much the university students end up spending when they get there because, you know, not many of them are ready to spend 15 bucks on a beer. But um, hey, hey, you said your daughter yeah. and her boyfriend. Let's hope the boyfriend picks up the charge there and it's not daddy, okay? Well, <laughs> yeah, who knows? This is the problem with loading up a credit card on a phone these days. I was just going to say, <laughs> don't tell me about the credit card bill if you're going to the hockey game. He can pay for the beer. It's the worst invention, best invention ever for us, <laughs> worst invention ever for your kids is loading the credit card onto the phone. Bodog poll question from yesterday, which Canucks home game are you most looking forward to? We had the opener against Edmonton. We have Bo Horvat's return game. We have... What we suspect will be the Ring of Honor game with Florida in December. And we have Connor Bedard, Chicago in January. Blake, I know you were checking this at one point yesterday. Who won the poll? Um, I'm going to go with Bedard winning the poll. Very good. I got to say I was surprised with this. I thought either the Florida or the Islander game would win. But the Chicago game on January 22nd with Connor Bedard got 38.5% of the vote. The Florida game with Luong, which we, again, they haven't made it official, but we mm -hmm. suspect that will be when Louis gets honored, got 28%. For the longest time, the Islanders game was uh, last place here. 
but it wound up jumping the Oilers on opening night. 18% for the Bo Horvat return game, 15% for the mm-hmm. Edmonton I went with season opener. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, many in the comments are comedians, including Trevor and Matt, the opener, because we won't be under 500 for once. <laughs> Matt, the opener of the one game of the year where we still have hope. Graham said the finale, and he did not specify regular season, so maybe Graham is daring to dream here that uh. there will be a a playoff game. Of course, doesn't necessarily have to be the last game of the season. You could lose on the road, or I suppose there's a world where you could win the but last the finale game. Could be but only one team does that, or only one playoff team does that. The finale has potential to have a whole ton of fireworks because what if the finale's the final game of another lost season? What does that game look and, and like? And we had a few people say the final two home games if this is another another lost season because of the number of jerseys that'll be on the ice. Can you the imagine protests. the fireworks? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or, hey, final home game of the season could be to, uh, to get in the playoffs, right? Could be, it totally. Could be. So long as they don't um, <clears throat> choke, as an ex-captain captain once said. Aaron says, I want to see Seattle. She voted other because she said she wants to see the rivalry start up this year. And I get that. Mm-hmm. Judge says a home playoff game. He voted other as well. Oh, here it is. Tyler, last two games of the regular season, they'll be emotional and fans will either be excited and happy for the playoffs or upset with another season of empty playoff promises. Yeah, from this that's a good show. Yep. That's a very good uh, uh, What's the late schedule for the crack, like uh, the Canucks and the Kraken? Is there a late matchup there? Because that could be, uh, as per the listener saying, a Kraken. Is there a late Kraken game? I don't see a late Kraken game. That's unfortunate because that would be the fun mm-hmm. stuff is if the two were battling. February 22nd, I think, is their last is matchup. Is that the last one? No. That's too bad. Uh, we spent a little bit of time on this yesterday, but let's get to it a little more at length. Derek Clancy, assistant general manager of the Vancouver Canucks, leaving for a similar position with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, Clancy was Jim Rutherford's first hire in December of 2021 when he took over. And unlike the other higher profile members of the front office, like Derek Clancy was the plug and play guy. He was the guy who had served in that capacity before in Pittsburgh. And I think it was wise because you had people who were either being elevated like Patrick Alvin, who was moving into a GM's chair from an AGM chair, or you had people like Cami Granato and Emily Kassengay who were relatively inexperienced. Well, in Kassengay's case, no experience in NHL front offices. In Cami's case, a couple of years of scouting with the Seattle Kraken. So to hire Clancy and put him in charge of both scouting silos, the amateur and the professional, I thought was quite smart. Um, still awaiting word and, you know, poked around a little bit last night, but still awaiting word of all the details on this story. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me in the least if MLSE pays more than Canuck Sports Entertainment for that position. So it may just be financial. Maybe there was something internal here. 
Maybe Derek Lancey just feels far more comfortable with Bradshaw living in Calgary, and he did scout for the Flames. There's clearly they played together. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's clearly a relationship there. What I don't like is that in the ensuing 24 hours since this uh, was announced, Matt, is universal praise for the decision from the Toronto market. Um, <laughs> like what? people really like this guy. People really think he does a good job. People really think he's got, he's a good well, balance of old and new th- and new school. Like. He won three Stanley Cups in Pittsburgh. Yeah. He was part of uh, all three Pittsburgh Stanley Cups, the back-to-back, and, of course, the one they won with uh, against Detroit when uh, Crosby and Fleury and Malkin were much younger men. Yeah. Um, I heard nothing but great things about Clancy when they hired him here. So I, I think you're talking about a very good hockey professional. Yeah. And then Rutherford, uh, with a statement yesterday a little bit odd that he talked about how it's a win for both sides. Um, but seemingly throwing his support and duties to Scott Young, who the Canucks hired as, uh, what was Young's title? Director of Player Personnel, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, Maybe Todd Harvey gets a little bit of extra stuff. Who knows? Well, Todd Harvey is the head of amateur scouting, and he's a holdover from the Jim Benning regime, much mm-hmm. like Judd Brackett. Was Ryan Johnson, too, perhaps? We haven't heard Ryan Johnson's name a ton no. in the same sort of um, yeah. acclaim that we heard used about to. him early from yeah. this new management tier, that they were impressed with him early, but not not but, as much. But if I'm Ryan Johnson and this goes down, I'm mm-hmm. I'm marching into the offices and saying, come on, guys. Yeah. Give me some responsibility. But the Canucks will not replace the role. As uh, Rutherford said, they, they're very pleased with Scott Young, so you wonder if his title will change, if there will be any kind of elevation there in title alongside duties falling to him. And, of course, Dale Talon is still a senior advisor for this hockey club, a former NHL general manager in both Chicago and in Florida. So they they went from a very thin front office to a very thick front office and so they're not replacing this position and we do uh we will await word on what some of the uh, the details are here as to why Clancy left and why a lateral move was permitted because right. sometimes right. You know, teams can happen. put their foot down and say no if you're getting promoted fine yeah. but otherwise and, and honestly if it was from the Anaheim Ducks to the Toronto Bay Police even then Matt I could say or sort of say well you're, you're jumping up in quality of of organization marquee this is a canadian team like a canadian team to canadian team like yeah. I, I know that the canucks don't go back as far as the least do in terms of history but well when you're on a canadian team you're on a canadian team uh, uh, the other thing i would say that is that and lawrence mentioned this to us when he moved on over to the leafs that you know as much as he had profile here in vancouver and he had noted to us this is one of the few markets in the league where you have profile as an assistant general manager. I mean, the St. Louis Blues assistant general manager doesn't have profile around that city. Uh, he said in Toronto, it's even more acute. In Toronto, it's even greater because they're on every Saturday night and because the cameras show in the executive box is often as it is. And because you have twice as many people as the next biggest hockey market here in Canada. So it may be as simple as Derek Clancy going, I was been a low profile NHL executive who's had a lot of success in Pittsburgh. Didn't have any kind of profile here. 
maybe if you work for the Leafs, you have more profile and you get on more short lists for interviews for general manager jobs if they come about. Again, don't know, just theorizing mm-hmm. here as to what the reasons would be that Clancy would move on out. And, you know, then, of course, there's just the... And we've heard this from many people over the years, Blake, that Canucks Sports Entertainment is just not the most rewarding place to work. That there are challenges within the internal operation of this company and of this hockey club that you just don't find elsewhere. I don't think that would have been his uh, leading line, though, in asking if he can get out of his contract to go join the Leafs. I just don't oh, like it I, here. I don't I, think that's I, the well, leading line. He probably had a more above board. No, but... but and we have... We're again just speculating here, but if you went to his boss and said, "I'm I'm just unhappy," right? Here. No, it could could you know, go down that couch route. it that way. Yeah, BC Lions Saturday against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The Upper Bowl is open. Expecting another big crowd. Expecting a lot of Flatlanders here in green. Going to have some watermelon smashing and eating contests on the plaza prior to kickoff. Commissioner Randy Ambrosi. We'll be here. I saw that nice photo yesterday from the Black Bear Pub in North Vancouver of our friends Matt Baker and Nick Kowalski of the Lions. Saw Glenn Suter, Bob the Moj Marjanovic, T Mart, and J Pat were there. They're doing the show on AM 730. A reminder we are giving away tickets for this Lions game. Last call on that. We're going to announce the winner tomorrow. Text hashtag Lions. To 778-402-9680. And these tickets come with a food and beverage gift card and a gift certificate at the team store. So fully taken care of. Good luck to all our entrants. And I was talking to Baker yesterday. I mean, it sounds like they're just about full health. There are no excuses here for the BC Lions. They had their buy. They've come off the bye. Everybody's fresh and ready to go. And, of course, Saskatchewan's playing the backup quarterback. Mason Fine has taken over for Trevor Harris, who may well miss the entirety of the season after suffering an injury last week. I think the Lions could win Calgary. this game playing with one fewer player, one less player on the, on, the, on the field. I really think that. You think they could win 11 on 12? Yeah. Come on. Yep. Hot take alert. Yeah. God. I really think that. See, do you, you know think what? college football teams can beat NFL teams too? So, here's the thing: someone who is rider lo- loyal will have heard that. <laughs> oh yeah, please. They are going to message it back to Inbox. the club and to media in Saskatchewan, and Blake will be in demand for <laughs> the rider cage and all the shows in, in Saskatchewan. Going, let's get this loudmouth Vancouver's. And they will do a deep dive on his background and find out that he's a Manitoban, Manitobian oh, yeah, yeah. boy at heart. That's right. And oh, it's going to turn into controversy. Yep. Yep. There you go. Here's the You've here, done here's, it now, Price. But here's the beautiful thing about uh, such a hot take: it's improvable in either direction. It will never happen. So right. you you can't prove that it you was right or wrong. wrong. No. Yeah. It's merely a, a did take. a meteor crash through the roof here at Wall Center? You can't prove it didn't. <laughs> well, there's no sign of it. No damage. Uh, Whitecaps Friday. Leagues Cup, Club Leon. What about the roster and lineup there? 
Uh, are there question marks? Well, I I don't think there's a ton of health question marks. I think the biggest question marks is just the club approach to this game. Um, two of the three teams move on. Well, you, as Vanny told us, he he's he's going to take the reins off. Go ahead, boy. See if you can score. See if you can make Club Leon, uh, Leon unsettled here in the early going at BC Place. And if you lose the match, no big deal, because if you beat Galaxy, you're probably through. Right. I, here's what I wonder if they go. You are through. Uh, first of all, I think Thomas Assault plays. It would be my oh, guess. Oh, wow. I, it's it's okay. totally my guess. No inside information there. Um, this would be a rehabilitation game. Remember the last time it did not go very well for Thomas Assault. Yeah. Um, I think um, to the point where they sent him down and said, get your confidence back. He's played some games with two, yes. I think they play the the starting eleven, the best eleven in the in the opening half. If it's two buzz Leon at the half, I think you do almost wholesale changes at the half. Oh, for sure, for sure. And then just hey, get hey, re- get yeah. ready for Galaxy. Uh, as Vanny told us, you could consider these guys the best side in North America. So if they're putting the boots to you early, absolutely turn it into a training session for guys who don't get a chance to play as much. Yeah, but if you're if it's nil nil at the half, if it's one one at the half, then maybe you push forward and see what you get out of that. And if you do happen to get out to an early lead, because it sounds like they're going to attack, 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 folks, this could be a really fun game to attend. Absolutely, on a Friday night with a Whitecaps side that is going to go forward and look to score goals. Uh, if you do happen to get a lead, then throw all the defenders in as soon as possible and try and lock it down and preserve some of that offensive firepower. For the next one. In, in this opening edition of League's Cup, I really think teams are going to be like, hey, it's going to be really fun if we win. If we lose, meh. You know, like, like I, I don't know. So be, because of that, I don't think you see park the bus tactics like you do trying to protect points in league play right now. I think Really? Okay. I, I think early on, until this tournament has uh, a claim and, and history behind it, I think early on it's going to be a... A little bit loose, uh, and, and thus, I think, very entertaining for the fans. And, and hey, the Whitecaps play entertaining soccer anyway. So, um, yeah, I think it could be a lot of fun. Very open back and forth. We'll see. Vancouver Canadiens won again in Spokane last night. Andy Dunn was uh, playing golf with us yesterday mm-hmm. at Northlands, and he was on his phone a lot. One, because he couldn't believe how beautiful the course was. It seemed like every tee box or every second tee box, he was, he was taking charmed, photos yes. and saying, the guys in back home in Florida aren't going to believe this. And the other times he was on his phone was to check the score. It's 7 nothing yeah. now. Yes, yeah. It was, it was a big game. Well, they won 11-2. They are 20 games over five hundred. Uh, now, they've just lost a pretty good hitter. Alan Roden has been terrific for them. He was promoted to... Double A New Hampshire. They haven't had a ton of promotion defections. And of course, uh, a lot of baseball eyes will be down the I 5 this weekend where the Blue Jays invade Seattle, Roger Center West, Kikuchi versus Bryce Miller on Friday. The Jays haven't decided their starter for Saturday. The M's will throw Logan Gilbert. And then Manoa is scheduled Sunday. After five walks, three hits, and four earned runs in three innings pitched against Oof. San Diego last night. So the Jays may actually be undecided Saturday and Sunday. Bullpen days? If they were. I mean, you can have one bullpen day, but two in a row? Yeah. 
Do they move heaven and earth here in the next couple of days to get a starter in on the trade market and throw him this week? I don't know. But another worrying performance from the big fella on the Blue Jays Hill. And if you're an M's fan, and of course, this is very contested territory here in the lower mainland, it's probably 60-40 Jays, but some might argue 50-50. Think, uh, think the Jays could wrestle away one of the Canadians from the Boston Red Sox? Pavetta? Paxton or Pavetta? Yeah. Victoria's Nick Pavetta, Ladder James Paxton? Yeah. Well, is Boston not fighting for it as well? Well, yeah, I, I don't, don't think see they're them trading in division. They're not New York Yankees bad, who, by the way, the Yankees yesterday were last place, the deepest on their own, the deepest into a season since 1990. Really? Yes. Anyways, as I was saying, if you're an M's fan, I think you got to feel really good about the pitching matchup here over the course of the weekend, even with uh, former Seattle Mariner uh, Kikuchi on Friday, who's been very good for the Blue Jays. I have forgotten to announce our two winners of the Whitecaps four oh, packs do that, yes. for League's Cup on Friday. Congratulations to Paul Carlson in Abbotsford and Ryan Bradley in New West. You're off to the match. Enjoy it. Take a photo from your seat and tweet it or Instagram it at us. We uh, love to see our listeners experiencing or our contest winners experiencing the matches and the games that we send them to. Let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you by Dutch to breakfast, to brunch, to lunch. Get it all at Dutch. We have this uh, local hockey player on the show, Blake. He's from your end of town. He could make a name for himself. He's pretty good. He yeah. turned 18 this week, signed an NHL contract. Oh, yeah. Good to have Connor Bedard back on the show. And I think we've had him on the show four times now since we've gone digital. And he just, every time, he he never fails to impress. He's mm. just a good head on his shoulders for 18 years old. Tons of right words with regards to the expectations that others have for him, the expectations that he has for himself. And his ability to handle all this spotlight, too. Yes. Which is in and of itself a skill. Yeah. Alex Gange Ruzic will also join us. He covers the Canadian women's national team. They are on the eve of the World Cup down under. Shout out Ambassador Paul in New Zealand, who tweeted at us yesterday saying that he will be cheering on the Canadian ladies when they play and they play one of their three matches in New Zealand, if I'm not mistaken. And we'll go to the people today. Once a week, we go to the people. If you have any feedback, comments, input on any of the segments you've heard on this show or on some of the social media posts you see from us, by all means, get in touch. You can email live at sicarisonprice.com. Text 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Your local Great Clips is proudly Canadian-owned and operated. A little tip for all the listeners out there. If you want to get in onto the people, Mm -hmm. reply to one of our social posts that have fired within, you know, the last 48 hours or so. So it's top of mind, Mm -hmm. fresh, or in the inbox, the Great Clips inbox. Thank you. Time now for the golf report brought to you by the Arnold Palmer designed Whistler Golf Club, where we will be playing later today. Can't wait. We've been telling you about the group and buddy out outings 
where if you have a group of 12 or more, you the organizer plays for free. Also home to the Nike Pro Shop featuring exclusive footwear apparel worn by Tiger, Rory, Brooks, Scotty, Nelly, and more. Plus Palmer's Gallery, Bar and Grill, a patio, which I'm sure we'll uh, indulge in later today. For more info to book at tea time, whistlergolf.com. I know you're charmed by the story of the Fitzpatrick brothers, both qualifying for this Open Championship. Of course, Matthew has a has a U.S. Open title to his name already. Blake, this golf course, and let me preface by saying we have been somewhat critical of golf majors here over the last few years. We just haven't had a ton of great finishes. The Open Championship, though, has done the best of the four. Last year, Cameron Smith played spectacular golf with a hard-charging Rory McIlroy behind him. In 2021, Morikawa and Spieth dueled it out at Royal St. George's. Remember Tiger pushing Molinari 2018 at Carnoustie? On a very tough, well, it's always tough at Carnoustie. Jordan Spieth with the incredible back nine, scrambling from hillsides and everywhere, pointing to his caddy, go get that. Remember that? We made the long birdie putt. And then, of course, that magnificent, and this might have been the best Sunday ever at a major championship, duel between Phil Mickelson and Henrik, Sen- Henrik Stentz, with all due respect to Watson and Nicholas in the duel in the sun. But Phil and Stenson both went left, 63-64, if I'm not mistaken, in the final round. So I have high hopes. And Blake... Have you seen the final two holes here, 17 and 18 at Royal Liverpool? 17 is a brand new hole. It did not exist when Rory won 10 years ago or when Tiger won 17 years ago. It is a short par three that the superintendent fully admits was inspired by the Island Green 17th at TPC Sawgrass in the Players' Championship. He attended that tournament and said, I want that sort of hole here at Royal Liverpool. It's a very short par three, I think 138 yards. It's a very small surface to hit. There's an eight-foot deep bunker on this hole. And the bunkering at this place is so extreme, Blake, that Patrick Reed is carrying a 72-degree wedge this week lest he get in any of them. So you have this new itty-bitty wind-blowing, of course, par 317th. And then have you seen the 18th and the out-of-bounds down the right side? And frankly, this is not something that I... This is not something that I believe is right. They have a line running through the rough, and the right side of the line is OB, which I don't understand. Because it is, in fact, in bounds. Like, say what you mean, mean what you say. OB means out of bounds. They have arbitrarily drawn a line down the right side of the rough and said anything right of that line is out of bounds. Which, it's just kind of deeper rough, deeper fescue. They're right. Look at it. They're right. I guess so. Creating hazard. So it create all sorts of drama on seventeen eighteen coming down the stretch for the Claret, uh, for the Claret Jug. There's, there's the logistics, folks. Um Here's the human element. Hoy Lake is infamous or famous for brother's acts. 
Back in 2014, Italian brothers Eduardo and Francesco Molinari both competed. They both finished in the top 15. Imagine that. Yeah. This year, the Hojgaard twins become the first twins to ever participate in the Open Championship together. As well as the Fitzpatrick brothers. Matthew, of course, a favorite to compete at this event. Younger brother, four years younger, Alex, was qualified a few weeks back. Was in a traditional British sort of bunker setup. Was on his knees in the bunker. Hold the shot out of the bunker from his knees. Ends up edging out guys by the name of Sergio Garcia and Graham McDowell to earn a spot in the Open Championship. Garcia and McDowell aren't in, huh? No. Wow. So that allowed Alex to get in. Matthew is overjoyed. Like he is he is the proud older brother. Yeah. Uh, so keep the, the Hojgaard twins and the Fitzpatricks. Keep your eye out for them this week. And, and really, the wind hasn't been that much of a factor with either Rory or Tiger the last two times that the Open Championship has gone to Liverpool. It's not a long course. I think you'll see a lot of irons off tees. Who's going to be able to handle the conditions? Who is going to be able to avoid the big numbers? Can't wait. It's my favorite golf tournament of the year, the Open Championship, this year at Royal Liverpool Hoylake. And I imagine you'll hear a lot of Beatles music for the coming into you know, the telecast. You think so? Yeah. Wow. I mean, when in Liverpool. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing, Workshop Spirits, and very excited to announce the release of Yellow Dog's very first mix pack, Box of Tricks. Choose between the classic Play Dead IPA, the award-winning Rough West Coast IPA, and two brand new beers, Growl Extra Pale Ale and Tug of War New Zealand IPA, hitting the shelves on Tuesday, November 7th. And at the end of a busy workday, treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood or workshop spirit. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. Count me among those pleased to see the Hockey Night in Canada panel stay remain intact. I've have watched far more Saturday night intermissions since ex-Canuck Kevin BX had joined and since you-know-who was unceremoniously dismissed in 2019. So to hear that BX, Ron McLean, Elliot Friedman, Jennifer Botterill, and Kelly Rudy will be coming back next season is good news. I, I like the dynamic they have now. BX is an absolute natural. We always knew that covering him here in Vancouver. Smart, witty current enough with today's NHL player. He's breathed new life into what was a tiring product. Friedman remains a fantastic news and information guy whose intelligence and ability to contextualize NHL matters is invaluable to these proceedings. 
Botterell has brought a fresh perspective, like Bieksa, gifted communicator, storyteller. Rudy's input, Rudy's input on goaltending compliments the group. Any panel that size breaking down games probably needs someone who can speak goalie and bring us understanding of what is a unique position. McLean is who I struggle with. I was once a huge fan when he had the license from his superiors to challenge Gary Bettman and hold hockey stakeholders to account. It's clear that he's now just part of the show, having left the journalism part behind. And that's been the big change with Hockey Night in Canada moving from the CBC to Rogers. McLean lost me during the whole Alex Burroughs, Stefan Auger affair. I always knew he felt part of the officiating club, given his moonlighting and stripes, but not being able to see that matter for what it clearly was hurt his credibility in British Columbia, and rightfully so. I don't mind someone speaking beyond the sport, roping in other walks of life, sprinkling in some Canadiana. But I do find myself furrowing brow more and more with Ron's obscure references these days. All that said, he's a Canadian broadcasting icon and someone tied to some of the biggest moments in hockey over the last 40 years. His shelf life is almost over, but given his career, he deserves a farewell tour. Let it be this season. That's Welcome Matt for today. We invite your feedback, feedback channels as follows on email, live at cigarettesandprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680 of the Great Clips text message inbox on Twitter, at Matt Sikaris, at Sikaris and Price, and the Welcome Matt, a presentation of Northland's Golf Course, Andy Dunn's new favorite course in BC, I believe, after no question. yesterday. It's in spectacular condition. You can book your tee times 90 days in advance. Don't forget to join the loyalty program. Price your next round could be free. Get all the details. Golfnorthlands.com. Sick Harrison Price from Wall Center. Presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags are the best and worst of Twitter. And they're brought to you by our buddy Jason Hominick of Jason.Mortgage. Jason Hominick wants to make sure that you get the best rate in these uncertain times. So he's encouraging you to do something super easy. Get your rate now. Even if your anniversary date for your mortgage is still down the road, even if you don't plan on buying a house for a little while, you lock in now for 120 days. If by some divine providence... Uh, the rates go down guess what you get to renew at that new lower rate um but if the rates go up oh again you're still on your low rate yeah so head to jason dot mortgage right now lock it in at scott c wheeler he's the athletic prospect draft writer my annual top 50 drafted NHL prospect ranking is out featuring nearly 20,000 words of analysis, 77 honorable mentions, player tiers, and more. Well, very few of those 20,000 words were spent on Vancouver Canucks, sadly. Wheeler is one of the prospects, right? And look, we talked about this coming out of the draft as well. Byron Bader of Hockey Prospecting, another one that isn't exactly enthused with the Canucks selection of Tom Wheelander in the first round. He's an honorable mention, but he's not a top 50 guy. You've got guys who are taken after Wheelander who do make this cut. Jonathan LeCaramacchi is also an honorable mention. 
you wonder if he had had a better first half to the season, whether he would have been higher up these rankings, but he didn't. And so you're forced to evaluate that poor first half with a good second half and a terrific playoffs. And then Atu Ratu makes his honorable mentions as well. And I've seen Scott be perhaps a little higher on Ratu than some others in the uh, prospect forecasting game. But it is still not an altogether strong farm system in terms of quality at the top. Like, it's got more depth. We have talked about that. They have made more draft picks, signed more college-free agents. If you want to call college-free agents prospects, in some cases they may be too old for that designation. But there's still work to be done here. They've got, they've got the, uh, the finger sandwiches are out. They've got some tea and coffee poured. Yeah, but there's no mimosas and champagne at this brunch. You know, there's there's none of this supreme high end here. It's a dry brunch. Yeah, which is unfortunate because I, you, want, you want a little something. You know, right? and the finger sandwiches. It's like canned tuna. It's not fresh salmon. Oh, or yeah. yeah, I mean they're they said they're sustainable. They sustain you. <laughs> they will sustain life. Good sustenance. <laughs> yes. But that's about it. Yes, Grady. I hate to rip on a guy doing rankings like this because it's often very subjective. Oh, Oh, it's super subjective. But tell me how Crystal, Andrew Crystal, and shout out to him, North Shore in line, he gets ranked 37th amongst his top prospects, but he went 40th overall. Right. And that means that Wheeler believes way more in Crystal than the 32 NHL clubs. Right. Yeah. Which is fair. He (laughs) thinks the offense from Crystal is going to carry through despite the fact he's not a... Great skater. And, it's, and that's a hot take, if, if yeah. you will, from him. You know? Yeah, because yeah. there's guys from draft classes two years before in this. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a collective. So he, he usurped his number hey, in his own draft. Every year in March, I go through baseball pros, uh, prospects in advance of the Roto Leagues I play in. And fan graphs in particular will have a couple of guys in their top 50 that, like, nobody else has in their top. In some cases, like guys that I'm like, I don't even see this guy in the Baseball America handbook. So it is a very subjective game when a casting, and you can cast a very wide net in this world. Just as an aside, that whole uh, that whole procedure you just described sounds horrific. <laughs> Flipping through the Baseball oh, America handbook in no, the baseball wait, perspective. That's the good stuff. That's the fun <laughs> stuff. Oh my God! To, find to out read the, up on prospects, I love that. The seventh guy in the in the shortstop depth chart of the Milwaukee Brewers. We now have guys in our league who draft high schoolers <laughs> who are going into the major league draft. Oh my God! And who draft like fifteen year old Dominicans and like Japanese professionals. It, your your Roto league does this. Oh, believe me, this is why Carmen calls it every year. Ah, yes, Revenge of the Nants. Yeah. What do you do with your free time, Blake? Do you you don't read up on fifteen year old Cuban sixteen year old Dominicans. We 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 played golf at Northlands yesterday with Walter Cosman and, and Andy Dunn, as you mentioned, and um. Me and Walter were making fun of you and Andy for being baseball nerds. Um, yeah, you, that's as you, fair. As you were driving away, all we heard was the trailing off of a sentence that was extreme baseball nerddom. Yeah. And Walt says to me, God, those guys could talk baseball all day. And I said some joke about, yeah, yeah, they're they're uh, talking about some prospect's high arch and high, if he's going to be wearing orthotics in single A. And, and, and that's why Andy and I shared a cart. And that's why you <laughs> and Walter shared a cart. And that's why if we go out and do it again, we will have the same carts. 
We talked about what our daughters were doing, university. There you go. Yeah. Fill your boots. Yeah. <laughs> you guys Glad were you could to relate with each other. We were talking about this Nimala kid who the Blue Jays took in the first <laughs> round who signed yesterday. Uh, at Adam Schefter, Seahawks will wear their throwback uniforms for their Week 8 matchup versus the Cleveland Browns and should feel free to wear them as much as they want. Here, here, Adam Schefter. Uh, um, am I Man, on is a, the blue pop, huh? Uh, I was just going to ask, uh, am I in the minority in that I prefer the royal blue to the darker shades of blue they have gone to here in the in more recent years? You know what I'm convinced of is that we our that eyes just grow... blue with the green popped. Our eyes just grow tired of looking at the same thing. And I think is that's that why, it? I think that's why we like new Throwbacks. uniforms every 10 years or something like that because... Because you're right, I I remember thinking, oh, the Seahawks are getting so modern and sleek when they went to their new color palette. Oh my gosh, this looks better. So much more vibrant. It's and, gorgeous. Yeah. With the silver and the green and the way they mix together. Yeah. It's easy on the eyes, unlike that green color rush they did a couple of years right. back. You know what? For what it was, his one-offs, whatever. I don't, you know, yeah, it wasn't a one-off. They used it a few times. But too many times for me. This, this should be the regular. Abso-freaking-lutely. At Tom Zillick of Surrey now. Stanley Cup alerts in Surrey, B.C. I just got off the phone with Laurent Brossois, who says August 6th is the day he'll bring the trophy here for a public event with Cloverdale Minor Hockey Association. And good on Laurent Brossois. Uh, where he go- played goal from age 10 to 15. Yeah, the Cup's going to be in our province again this summer, as it is almost every summer. Such as Jay Theodore. The big difference being, of course, though. <laughs> well, it's not being brought here by Chicago Blackhawks, well, in which case it touched a lot of places in BC. No, but for the first time remember those years, they can actually point to their engravings. The, oh, right, because it's already engraved. They've usually been traveling, which I have found it very weird. That So they, they take it home, and I would think the first thing people say is, where's your name? And up until this year, we've never been able to point to the, your, their name on it? Like, it only took, you know, 100 years to get to this procedure, all right? <laughs> like, imagine that, like, maybe we should etch it before we send it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe yeah. you should. Yeah, guys. Uh, they do it live and in person for the British Open. Like, yeah, exactly. In some cases, they haven't done before the guy puts out right. on 18. So if he's like, got a big enough lead, Louis Ustace, and they were engraving him like uh, on the back nine. So you've had a month now. I'm uh, pretty sure you could get this done. Yeah. I mean, engravers, uh, I realize it's very delicate and detailed work, but I think you give them a month, they can get 40 names on the cup. Uh, at now this is uh, now this news. Watch closely. This ad isn't what it seems. France's women's soccer team is generating major hype around the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup thanks to their viral commercial. Did you check it out? I've seen it, and it's magnificent. I'm not sure we can do it justice here with words. But they effectively take plays from Les Bleus. uh, uh, Sans the letter E. Yes. And then all of a sudden... They give you clips from their women's national team. Les Bleus avec les, yeah, uh, the yeah, exactly. Feminine spelling. <laughs> yeah. And they are almost identical. They've deep faked it, folks. They've taken women's Oh, is leagues. it deep fake or yeah. is it actual highlights from... They're actual women's highlights. Okay. Deep faked with the men's faces on top of the women. They've taken off the women's heads and put in the, put oh, the men's Oh, so head. those aren't legitimate highlights from the men's team. No. They're those legitimate are, oh. women's highlights. 
See, I thought the exercise was check out Mbappe, check out Griezmann, check yeah, out all. They're and matching look at the this, frame. The women can do it almost. No, the point is, is you think this is the man doing this. It's not. It's a woman well, doing this. that works too. And you're entertained and you, you're yeah. getting goosebumps watching this. Well, guess what? You're getting goosebumps watching women's soccer. I thought, see, I thought somebody poured through Hours oh, of tape. Could you imagine how to long find that would take? like similar yeah, yeah. dribbles, similar shots, crosses, and stuff like that from the men and women? No, stands to reason. But it, it, you know, regardless, that would have worked. This works certainly as well. Uh, and is a long cry from, as somebody pointed out, the last French women's soccer promotion for, for a. Re- you know, before a World Cup. You know how they promoted the women's team before the last World no. Cup? A stiletto heel on top of a soccer ball. <laughs> That's how they did it. So we've come a long way. That's hashtags for today. Secure some price from Wall Center and a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. I, uh, I think I really am done with filling up my car with gasoline. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm, uh, You've made the change, huh? Well, I've just gone over. I don't even have an EV yet, but I'm just like, I'm done. I, I think I am officially <laughs> you're, you're done. You're plotting for it. And, and I think... So anxious, you've already committed. I think the uh, the Kia Nero from Applewood Kia might be the one, especially with these prices. 44.9 to get in. 6.49% of these days and ages is not too bad for up to 484 months. And uh, the best thing is, you know, you can actually uh, purchase the vehicle and drive it, which is an uh, interesting concept rather than purchasing and not being able to drive the car uh, because, you know, it wouldn't be there. Uh, they have stock at Applewood Kia. Uh, it's all good at Applewood. Bodog poll question today. Can you afford to go to Canucks games? Yes or no? You can vote at Secure Some Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source, free casino games. Poker strategy, sports odds, and Bodog line of the day for me. I'm going back to these two for one tickets at the Open Championship. I would not be surprised in the least if Scotty Scheffler or Jordan Spieth won the Open Championship. Scheffler leads the tour in strokes gained approach. That is a very key metric, apparently, on this golf course where it is shorter and iron play is a very, very big part of the equation. And then Spieth just plays really well at the Open every year. Either of them lift the Claret Jug on Sunday. You get them both at 6-1 to one on your Bodog line of the day. Well, quite a week for our next guest. He turned 18. He signed his first NHL contract and uh, well, he played Northlands. It's our pleasure <laughs> to welcome back. To secure some price, the first overall pick of the 2023 entry draft, Chicago Blackhawks forward and North Van native, Mr. Connor Bedard. Happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. So, how's your summer going? <laughs> it's good. It's been uh, crazy and busy, but it's been, you know, a lot of fun and um, you know, a lot of pretty pretty special moments. So, um, you know, I'm pretty grateful for, for a lot of that. You're and not some a- special moments to come, I understand. Uh, we got a big one for the great guys coming up here in the North yeah. Shore Inline Adult Hockey League, huh? Yeah, must win. So, um, no, it's been it's been good. We were on we were on a pretty good heater there, and then and then lost one. But uh, hopefully, get get back to it. It's so I'll ask you it. the yeah. Oh, let me ask you the question that we get a whole lot, and that is, 
with Bedard and Johnson and everybody else who's on your inline team, how is it that you guys ever lose a game, Connor? It's a good league. Like, there's some, there's like, we got like a pro team in it that's like, I think year round and like playing in tournaments down south and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of good players in the league. And then uh, a lot of guys that have played roller for a long time that play maybe a little better systematically than us. So, um, but, you know, it's tough. I think that makes it good. It's, it's really competitive and um, it's, it's a lot of fun, but. In the end, it's like you want to win, and, and all the teams are good, so it's a good game. And in the end, uh, no contact and all that sort of stuff. So it's a little, uh, it's it's not it's not a. Uh, how much do you use it as preparation? What what can you extrapolate out of out of inline to to take to the ice? Anything? Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of like creativity stuff, even just like watching Kent like make plays he does. It's like, oh, maybe I can try that. But um, no, I think just just that part of it. You you're out there. You're not as stressed about i mean not that i'm always too stressed about turning it over or whatever but it's it's even less there i mm-hmm. think you you have so much freedom to try to make plays and everything that that you can take into into on ice well, on the summer be... on the Sorry, summer man. overall uh connor uh, your non-hockey playing friends and family do, uh, do they do, they must know you well enough that this was eventually going to happen but can can anybody sort of wrap their head around the summer that you've had yet or or is everybody just thinking that this is just crazy what you've been through yeah i think it's just been you know a pretty crazy whirlwind here like uh you know it was weird you know it's like the three three four days before the draft it's like those are you know longer days you're waiting you're excited and and anxious and everything and then after the day of the draft then it's like just flies right by so um i guess we're three four weeks removed now from that so it's pretty wild and um but it was so much fun getting to be there with family like you said and, and a lot of friends getting drafted and everything so um you know you kind of look back on that but it's crazy how how quick things went by there we we've talked to you before and you've told us you were never sort of fixated on the draft you had games to play you had your daily preparation and that the you know if you took care of that business the draft would sort of take care of itself at at what point did you start building up the draft connor and did it live up to all your expectations yeah um i don't know for me like you said i'm really focused on kind of the everyday aspect of it and um you know i didn't want to be in the gym training just kind of worrying about you know, I want this day to come, you know, time, time always moves at the same speed. So, um, you know, once that day came a few days there, once we got to Nashville, kind of, it was starting to kind of sink in a little bit, but, uh, I never really felt real till the moment if it even felt real then, but, um, no, for me, it was kind of just focusing on things, you know, in, in the present that I can control kind of at all times. What was the coolest thing that happened to you in Nashville? I mean, getting drafted, obviously. But, <laughs> I guess. Um, other than that, maybe like the NHL awards is pretty sweet. Um, just getting to meet a lot of those guys and, um, you know, kind of just talk to them and everything. And uh, we went on the ice with some kids on the, the day before that, that clinic there, which was pretty fun. So, um, you know, a lot of good things, good things there. We praised you for your uh, ability to do interviews like this before, but when you're sitting on stage with the, the TNT crew and all that, everything that went on around the, that, I mean, you don't, you don't get a ton of practice doing that, playing for the Regina Pats. Um, what what uh, led you to be able to be as natural doing that sort of stuff as, as you were? You seem like you're, uh, you're okay with the, the spotlight on you a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think it's kind of, you know, for me, I was, I was more like shy kid meeting new people and everything. And then once I kind of got more experience with it and, and even like public speaking, like I don't mind public speaking much now that I've had some experiences with it. And 
um, even there, you know, I didn't know, I didn't really, I knew I had the interview. I didn't know I'd have to kind of say a few words there in front, but they made it really easy with us asking the questions and stuff. But, um, you know, I think just try to kind of, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but I, I don't feel too uncomfortable now just because of the experience. The, the dressing room helps too, right? Like being in a, in a if people never played hockey, the hockey dressing room can be a, a tough place to be, right? With the barbs flying fast and furious. When when there's players up on the panel, you kind of I imagined, and I actually had this thought when I watched you, you know, you know, uh, sort of throw a stinger at at, at uh, Biz. You just kind of did you think of it being in a hockey dressing room just a little bit and throwing it, throwing the usual insults back and forth. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's kind of you know, everything that goes on there, of, of course. And uh, it's all in good fun, kind of, you know, good banter and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think with all that, getting to be a leader and this year, especially with uh, with Regina all year, it, it helped me with all of that speaking because, you know, sometimes you got to be the guy to do it. So um, obviously there's more serious times than times where you, you know, joke around and stuff. But uh, you're always kind of, you know, vocal with your teammates and everything. Uh, Connor, of course, the expectations from the outside are enormous. What are your own expectations of yourself for your rookie NHL season? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't, you know, put in my head, um, you know, any number or anything for me. Uh, the mindset is still going and, and make the team. And, um, you know, that's my goal right now is, is get better every day and go and have a good ta- have a good camp and, <clears throat> and try to earn my spot on the roster. So, um you know, I can control, you know, what I'm going to do for the next month and a half here before and, and, you know, trying to improve myself. Uh, center wing, does it bother you? Does it matter to you which position it would be? I mean, whatever, whatever happens, happens, of course. And, um, if I was you know playing the NHL, I'd be, be pretty happy either way. But, um, you know, personally I've played more center and, um, you know, really my, my wing experiences were, with Hockey Canada, of course, and World Juniors and, and that first U18. So um, it's limited, but, um, you know, I've played, definitely played more center, but, you know, I, I don't mind either either position. What are you working on? What are you working on this summer? Particularly if you're going to be a center, I, I would assume that you want to sort of make sure that you're ready for that responsibility. What are you working on this summer? Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, cliche, but a bit of everything, of course. And um, for me, I think we, we do a lot of kind of, you know, battle stuff here and play three on three or whatever. So uh, if you can, you know, maybe try a little harder on, on defense than you usually would or, or whatnot and try to, you know, do that. But uh, what I'm you know, obviously trying to get better, you, all your skills and, of course, in the gym, your speed, power, strength and everything. So, um, you know, I think but when you can have a time where you can focus on, you know, a face off, even if it's just for fun or, or kind of like a, a D zone position, you, you try to try to focus a little more on it. Uh, General Manager Kyle Davidson, or man on the street as he's known in Nashville, uh, has talked about uh, you know bringing in Corey Perry, bringing in Nick Foligno, surrounding you with a certain kind of player and the right uh, kind of players. What have you made of the moves the Blackhawks have made, and how much have you uh, been chatting, communicating with Foligno and, and Perry? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's great for for the team, you know, and um, you know, obviously bringing in. You know, a lot of those guys, you know, Hall, Foligno, um, you know, Perry, like he said. And, um, you know, of course, those are three guys that have had, you know, unbelievable careers and, and been on winning teams. And, of course, Perry's, you know, won a cup and and um, and everything. And, um, you know, I think with Foligno and Hall coming in from Boston and, and having, you know, a record-breaking season, of course, I got to talk to Foligno a bit about that and kind of the mindset, you know, coming into the rink, to the rink every day. And, you know, I think that'll be, that'll be really good for everyone. And, 
but it's 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 going to help the team win. Those are those are great players, and um, you know, obviously big big moves that you know it's pretty exciting for for the franchise. Taylor Hall would be pretty something uh, something special on the wing, the way he can score and the way he can skate, huh? Yeah, he's he's a great player, like you said there, with his speed and um, scoring ability and and uh, skill. I mean, Hart Trophy winner, so I'm pretty special when you can add a guy like that, some, you some, know, to the team for sure. Some sharp elbows on guys like Felino and, and Perry too to create some room for yourself. Uh, how much do you think about the physicality of the game? Um, like, what's the way, do you remember the most physical game you've played in? And, and do you, have you sort of drawn comparisons to that in your own mind of what you're going to see on a nightly basis? What are you expecting in the physical side of things? Um, I mean, you know, hockey's a contact sport. It's not something that you know I think about too much. Obviously, if you know Ryan Reeves gets good good contact with me, I'm I'm not going to get the <laughs> the better end of that. But for me, it's it's kind of about having my head up and um you know trying to trying to make good plays and sometimes you got to get hit and uh you know that's part of the game and um you know if there's a play to make and you got to take a little bump then you know you're going to do that for the better of your team but uh you want to be smart and for me that's kind of you know have my head up and um you know not trying to do too much and and everything so um you know I think you know if I'm playing there it'd kind of be a feel out thing for sure so much was made about not just you but British Columbia hockey Connor in the first round of this draft, when you take a look at all the BC kids that went, and of course we got Macklin and a whole other flight of BC kids coming next year. What does it mean to you to be a part of what has been a couple of terrific classes here of British Columbia hockey players that have made their way to the NHL? Yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. I mean, um, for us, we grew up together. We played with and against each other and it just made us so much better because you're competing with those guys. You you want to be better than them. You want to, you know, beat them and everything. And um, for me, that's, that was so big for me. And I know talking to, you know, like Crystal and, and those guys, that they said the same thing. And um, for all of us getting to skate together in the summer and, um, you know, like I said, always always have that competitiveness with each other has been, been really good for us. But, you know, in the end, we're all, we're all friends. We're all really good friends and getting to see each other's success and, um, you know, be drafted and everything. It's been it's been really really fun. You, Andrew, and Kent obviously uh, spend a lot of time together. We, the summer on ice training, though, um, in and on actual ice skates. Uh, who are you training with there? Like veteran NHL guys, or is it mostly young guys? Uh, yeah, like I'm with Andrew, his brother, and and Kent. Basically, every skate, and then uh, a lot of guys: Christensen, uh, Angus Crookshank, um, Barzell, a bit Hopkins, uh, Jujar, Heinen, like. The list goes on. It's, it's we get really good skates going, and um, they're really competitive. Those are those are good players, of course. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, challenging mm-hmm. each other. Uh, lastly, Connor, for me, for those who are going to watch this on YouTube, they'll they'll see you in your Blackhawks polo. Now, okay. we we know you grew up a Canucks fan. Have you had to purge the closet of all Canucks paraphernalia? Is that job yet done? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, of course you have things from growing up, you know, jerseys and and whatnot here, but. Um, you know, I got, got some kind of, you know, obviously the draft jersey and everything that you, uh, you kind of put over it now. It's, it's pretty funny kind of how it worked out with the rivalry they had when I was, you know, a young kid. So, um, but you know, it's awesome. I'm happy to, happy to be on this side of it, of course. And, you know, now it it feels different, but, um, no, I mean, I've always, you know, loved the Canucks like you guys know. And, um, you know, I wouldn't 
you know, throw away kind of that stuff from from growing up. Those are those are great memories. Yeah, we, yeah just set them aside just in case somewhere somewhere <laughs> way down the road. And we do this yeah. on a week in which Keith and Seabrook are going into the BC Hockey Hall of Fame That's as right. well. So it's uh, it's all coming together here for you, here, Connor. Thanks so much for. Yeah. Yeah, thank you guys. Well, I think that's the fourth time we've interviewed him, Blake, and he just continues to impress from the standpoint of, you know, whatever that Wayne Gretzky, Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid gene is, where they just um, have a knack for dealing with questions and interviews like this at such a young age. That continues to persist, although, and I think we said this the first time we interviewed him way back at the World Under 18s a couple of years ago. He is of that generation that I think is going to bring a little bit more fun, a little bit more pizzazz and panache to the National Hockey League. I can absolutely see that personality further flourishing after he gets comfortable in skates with the Blackhawks. I, I think he's better with a microphone in front of him, a camera in front of him, than Connor McDavid is. Uh, oh, fr- frankly, than all three of them. Yeah. I think he's already better than all three of them, but, uh, you know, it's just... When you're that level of player, you do know at a young age that anything I say that might be a right, even if it's a kidding manner, you know, goes viral. So I, I'm sure he's aware of that. Um, and yet, uh, I'm not going to pass judgment I on him. I think he gives thoughtful answers. I'm not passing judgment on him versus Wayne until I've seen Connor and Young and the Restless. Then we can do a, a proper comparison of uh, or Saturday Night Live, or Saturday Night Live for that matter. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I mean. He, both on the ice and away from it, I think he's going to be uh, really, really good for the league. And mm-hmm. um, and he, I love the fact that he's he's so active here during the summer and and mm-hmm. and not shying away from the creativity of, of you know. I don't see a ton in inline, but he's he's loving the inspiration that Kent Johnson's yeah. uh, creativity's given him. And then it sounds like if he's banging bodies with Danton Heinen and Juju Kara and stuff like that uh, on the ice, he's he's going to yeah. be somewhat prepared. Big boys, I, I'm not surprised that he doesn't want to box himself into a number next year in terms of points or goals or anything like that. But I, I do wonder, you know, once he gets through a training camp in a preseason and he sees what the NHL is like, the speed and everything like that, uh, you know, I, I do wonder whether he's going to say, okay, I think I can do this I, and I that. Way. Perhaps not quantify it, but um, at, at least um, further detail, expand on what he thinks he's able to do in this uh, rookie season. And I'll I'll tell you one thing. Um, I think it's pretty clear he wants to play center right out of the chute. And frankly, with where you are as the Chicago Blackhawks, while you may have a coach go, "Uh, he's not detailed enough defensively to play center in the NHL, just let him go play center ice in the NHL and let him go through the growing pains and the bumps and he'll learn the lessons along the way. And you'll have a better center for it in year two, uh, as opposed to sort of easing him and nursing him in the lineup on a wing. Well, I, I know we've been told by coaches here before, this is not a developmental league, this is the National Hockey League, but um, it is for a guy like Connor Bedard. It is, because you're, you're you're cultivating something so right. special that it is, a, it is a development. So you work with the guy uh, away from games on things like face-offs and back-checking, and, all this, and then during games you surround him with the wingers that will make that as successful as possible down the middle. So I am I tend to agree with you. Unless he looks overwhelmed in the first month, Matt, then you might change courses on that. But I think I'd be tempted to, to try him down the middle to start and just see how he goes. Oh, to the people. To the people. We, yes. Let's go to those people, shall we? Have to go to the people. I missed the people there. It's been a long, frustrating time for people here. To the people. 
we go. Sick Harrison Price from Wall Center, presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. And to the people we go is brought to you by our man of the people, Jason Hominick of Jason.Mortgage. But here's the thing, Jason, you know you, you hear us talking about him helping out people with their mortgages, but he doesn't just do residential mortgages. He does commercial, too. If you're a business owner looking to buy your building, a builder or developer looking for options beyond your bank, get Jason's expert opinion. You can find him at jason.mortgage. Uh, Blake, yesterday on the Bodog poll question, we asked which game are you most looking forward to. Juan in Savage, Maryland has gone off the board. Regular listener out there in Maryland. Thank you, Juan, who says, which Canucks home game am I looking, to, looking forward to most? How about December 12th versus the Lightning? They're as good a measuring stick for competitiveness, and there's absolutely no doubt about that. They have been the standard in the National Hockey League over the last half decade with a couple of Stanley Cups and with a third appearance in the Cup Finals. Basketball Phil took in the WNBA three-point shooting game contest. Yeah. <laughs> While Sabrina Inescu goes into the NBA three-point contest next season and wins the damn thing. I'm sizzling it because she missed all of two shots at the WNBA three-point shooting wow. contest. I, I don't mind. The th- I actually like the three-point shooting contest better than the dunk so contest. So do I. I, I, I guess more compe- it's more consistently good. Mm-hmm. The dunk contest once every seven years blows your That's mind. Correct. But the other six years are horrific. So I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll check it out. Okay, here. give us a sizzle there, Grady. JC with a hot take. Boy, we cooked that bacon for a while. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. burnt. It's Ooh. crispy. Yeah. I like it. I like it uh, blackened a little bit. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're rare on the bacon? Well, not quite. I'm not rare, like but bacon. I'm not really burnt. cooked pork. Yeah. Yeah. JC Hot Take Ronald Acuna Jr. will become the Major League's first 50 50 player. Now, Bonds is Bonds. Bonds and Canseco are the only 40-40 players. Certainly those two did it. Do we not have a modern edition of that? No? Yeah, no, I think we have here. Let me check this out. It rings a bell. Uh, Alex Rodriguez and Alfonso Soriano have also done it. There we go. I guess the closest uh, anyone got was A-Rod with the Mariners in 98. He was 46 stolen bases and he was 42 home run. So that is still, that's, boy, Acuna is still going to have to go well and beyond that. Um, new era in baseball with the bigger bases and no shifts. It's leading to more stolen bases this totally. year. So yeah. could see 50-50 home runs might be a little more difficult, but he's pretty protected in that lineup. I mean, that's one of the better lineups out there. You know what, JC? I love this. I'm going to sizzle this one, too. I'll, I'll sizzle it, and... uh I'll I'll build off it. I, I bet you we see some 40-40 commonplace guys over the next uh, decade because of all this. I bet you 40-40 uh, happens again here in the next handful of years. Tyler, marketing and stats for CFL are having unforced fumbles. How do you have a great week like this past one and not capitalize? And Brosie should be getting a call from every owner every day until it's fixed. This is becoming a bit of a thing for the true CFL uh, uh, stats nerds here mm-hmm. that um, the CFL is in the dark ages uh, in terms of stats 
Um, well, they went to a new the, stats provider, a new system this year, and yeah. it wasn't ready for opening week, and it's still got gremlins, and frankly, it's not good enough. And, but it's not like Tyler it evolved right. off of a good one, though. It's not. It didn't come. It's not. They went to a new one, but the old one was horrific too. They've never been up to snuff when it comes to stats, and they can't embrace the gambling era, and at the same time, not do stats so, correctly. Here's what I'll tell you. In the press box, because of the leadership of Steve Daniel, there is no problem whatsoever with the stats and hasn't been since Steve took over as head statistician for the Canadian Football League. Getting it out there to the public has been another matter, and you're quite right, Mm -hmm. and Tyler is quite right. I went looking for some numbers Monday coming off what was an extraordinary weekend of entertainment with CFL games, and I found myself wanting on a couple of them, and that's simply not good enough. I mean, that's Monday, for God's sakes. The, the league and uh, various other outlets are trying to get like CFL fantasy going, and that uh-huh. is a great way to get people engaged. But if you can't keep track... No, exactly. Well, again, no point. they have no trouble keeping track, Blake. It's the, for some reason, the dissemination, dissemination of yeah. it, yeah. which yeah. usually is the easy part. You'd think. Uh, some comments about Rob Williams' interview last week on YouTube. Gordon says... Last season, they had one specialized penalty killer, and they were injured most of the season, less than stellar goaltending until Demko came back from his injury. They can only get better at killing penalties going forward. I'd like to see Putt Colson get more special teams time with with this team, since this was something he actually did a lot in the KHL, both the power play and the penalty kill. Preaching to the uh, Well, I hear you, Gordon, but the KHL is a far cry from the NHL, right? Well, um, of course. But it's the same thing with saying any player graduating out of junior. No, we we say, hey, they enough. play they they led their team in PK and junior. They probably know how to pick, mm-hmm. kill a penalty decently at the very on least. the penalty kill. Ted says, offer it to PD first. If he doesn't want it, then Quinn or JT captaincy. Oh, sorry, captaincy. captaincy yeah. Offer it to PD yeah. first. If he doesn't want it, then Quinn or JT is a great choice. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people are now on that. Uh, along that vein. Hayden says number 37 should 100% be retired. Of course, this is the number of the late Rick Rippon that we talked about. Now, did Rick end his career with the Vancouver Canucks? No, he did not. But there was a legacy there with the mind check program that was left in his stead. So, yeah, as I I'd be okay with it, as I said, okay with as it. I said, a welcome out. That's absolutely a number that should not be worn again. It should sit there with number eleven, like Wayne Mackey. If you don't necessarily want to put it in the rafters as a retired and honored number, it should not be a number that's in circulation to a modern player. But you could easily retire it for a couple of reasons: is it becomes a a mind check, becomes a mental health beacon, basically, uh, you know, a a, uh, a rallying point for mental health awareness and all that sort of thing by by putting it in the rafters. And secondarily, uh, it's not like you're putting in the most popular number. People don't wear thirty seven anyway, so all the more reason to use it as a as a tool um, and with with no real consequence in the real hockey world anyway. So why not? This is Robert Allen Richter. I read his full name because it is the most literary tweet. Very, yes. Poet laureate, Robert Allen Richter. It's a great name if you're a writer. Yes. I think that the Ring of Honor is nonsense. In very exceptional circumstances, you retire a jersey. That's it. Determining degrees of honor is just a bizarre exercise reminiscent of feudalism's fascination with hierarchy. Wow. That may be the first time we have used the word feudalism in the 12 years of Sakaris and Price. 
what I will say, Robert, is she published that in the Atlantic. For heaven's <laughs> sakes, that was that was beautiful. <laughs> uh, what I will say, Robert, is you're wrong. Teams are. <laughs> After all that, love, wonderfully love written. pros. Thank you for the tweet. You have made a constructive uh, argument. I disagree. Here's what I mean. Here's what I'm saying. Teams are allowed to celebrate their history as they see fit. If they want to include hierarchies of honor, it is well within their purview and their right. And here's the other thing. Fans do want to celebrate the great players, stars, coaches that they have enjoyed in the past. And if it is only a number retirement option available to you, then you're either going to have a heck of a lot of numbers retired or you're going to have very seldom nights and very few team honors that you can distribute. So that's where I come from on it. I, I, do, I know a lot of people go, oh, we're so great at celebrating second place. How about no more numbers go up, no more honorees until we actually win something? You know, to me, that's missing the point here, Blake. To me, that's frustration talking. Roberto Luongo was an extraordinary player here. I would have retired as number one. Okay, they're putting it in the ring of honor alongside Kirk McLean. Fair enough. But his eight years here deserve to be commemorated in some fashion. I'm too busy having flashbacks here to uh, Irish literature prof that used to call me on the fact that I may have written it very nicely, but I just wrote bullshit very nicely. And so she always gave me really bad grades. And that's what you just did to, uh, what was his name? Robert, Robert Allen, Allen Richter. Richter. Yeah. So I, I feel you, sounds Robert. Like, like he sounds like he could have been in like 80s Brat Pack movies. Robert Allen Richter, Robert Downey Jr., <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall, all the, all the triple ones. Jason King, uh, his interview caused some reaction about J.T. Miller and Elias Pettersson in particular uh, at J.T. Miller 1641. We might have read this during the show, I think. With having P.D. Miller on the wings for the power play, you almost have to have a left-handed bumper slot player. We talked about that Beauvillier um, yeah. possibility. Yeah, we did read this one. Yes, we did. So let's move on to another one from Robert Allen Richter. Mm-hmm. My oh goodness. My well, okay. It's the second this is, essay. This is okay. unprecedented. But I mean, Miller's I guess end of e- if you're going to grant yeah, more than one to the people who go submission, it, it should be to Robert. I'm Allen going in Richter. cold. I'm, I'm going in cold here. Miller's end of year press conference appearance surprised me. He was head and shoulders, the most articulate, mature person interviewed. I'd previously thought of him as moody, also a bit redneck, due to his background political views whatever they may be. We also read that one on the show the day of. Boy, Robert Allen Richter getting through all the gates here that Grady Sass puts on up. Probably because it is so beautifully written. Grady's like, oh, that's just good stuff. We got to put that in the people. Uh, Our video of the District Wine Village in Oliver, where you can not only get neighborhood brewing, you can get a beer from neighborhood. They've got a station there you can get a workshop spirit workshop has a station there foolish wine as well from our friends at yellow dog den says with their last year a cool place for a drink after a round of golf which is exactly where we went after a round of golf but i'll tell i'll tell you it's a cool place period and blake they have pools where you can go and like put your feet in and cool down in the scorching heat of oliver in the summertime absolutely gorgeous my first time there won't be my last. No, no, there's shade everywhere. 
There's shade everywhere. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got all the patio shade. If you're looking for shade, you can get shade. If you're looking for sun, you can get, you can get sun. I know where you were going, Lobster Man. Mm-hmm. Um, responses to Rob Williams' um, interview, coldest Riley. Rob's saying exactly what I've been saying. If EP actually wants the captaincy and wants to embrace that sort of leadership role, then F yeah, give it to him. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he wants it. Your best sharpshooter doesn't have to be the commanding officer. I don't even know if he's the best sharpshooter. He's just the best player. But, and uh, then yeah, lastly. He, he's got a season. Lastly, mm-hmm. this was very surreptitious. This was very sneaky. I let Mike Colleen know when we played at Northlands last week that he was going to be on video taking a swing at the par 3 16th. I let him know. I said, Colleen, we got to do video, social media here for your, you know, as a guest in Northlands. He said, okay. And I put the camera on him on number 16. So what happens? I go up to the 18th tee, and as you know, Blake, when I play golf, laser-focused. And the next thing I know, there's video of a horrific swing of mine from Mike Colleen sent to Grady Sass. They conspired to embarrass me on social media. They asked people to rate your swing. Your scores were from 4 to 7.5. Lyle on Twitter, 7.5, smooth and consistent. Lyle, I'm going to ask you to look again. Um... Others being constructive with their criticism. Steven says he needs to work on his posture and address. Yeah, it's fair. Uh, the slouch causes bad rotation. So he, you know. He's not wrong. I, I, I did notice it's been a while since I've seen my swing on tape. It is way too slouchy. Got to be a little more erect and straight with the back. Uh, Lyle, we're going to need you to read this eye chart because <laughs> you were far too kind. And then, Blake, I got a lot of four out of ten. Yeah, F-O-R-E. F-O-R-E. Steamer as well says, I like the fact that he doesn't take 20 practice swings before hitting the ball. Good job, man. Yeah. So you did hey, get some kudos as we well. We talked about Patrick Cantley on yesterday's show. Too damn slow. The game is long enough on its own. Let's get up to the ball and hit it. See ball, hit ball. Final one from Brad. Nice flexibility for an old guy. I'll take it. Ooh, ooh. We're joined now by Alex Gange Ruzik. He's a web editor with One Soccer and a podcaster with Northern Football, and he follows the Canadian women's national team, which is down under looking to add a World Cup to an already uh, decorated resume, including the Olympic gold medal in Japan. Alex, how are we doing? I'm doing great. Pleasure as always, guys. I always great to, to hop on and chat. So great to be here. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you're doing fantastic work here on soccer in our community, so pleased to have you on. Okay, before we get into some of the politics and some of their chances here down under, first things first, how's the form looking heading into this World Cup opener Thursday against Nigeria? It, it's not been great for Canada, to, to, to say the least. 2023 has been very up and down. Uh, it started obviously in February where a lot of turmoil off the field certainly didn't help them, injuries as well. And they ended up winning just one game out of three at She Believes Cup. They lost to the U.S., lost to Japan. Uh, they beat Brazil, which is a bit of a consolation. And then in April, they only played one friendly. It was against France. 
end up losing 2-1 in a bit of a mixed game. And then since then, they've only played a, a closed-door friendly against England, which nil-nil, I suppose that's a good result given uh, England's level. But also, it's a, it's a closed-door friendly. What do we know about that clean sheet, I guess? So it's something where, yeah, there, there are a lot of questions about this Canadian team heading into this tournament where the chance is going to come from, where the goal is going to come from. Was this def- recent defensive performance a sign of a you know, return to old business? So many questions to, to ask. Well, let me follow up with this, because I think a lot of people will be catching up on uh, this tournament, this team. They're d- the defending reigning Olympic gold medalists, and yet they're about the seventh or eighth betting choice in this tournament. So explain to everyone who may not follow why is it they're so down the pecking order? Is it just this year's form, or is there more to it than that? Yeah, I mean, the, the Olympics was it was such a surreal moment because I think Canada was kind of in a similar stead heading into that tournament. It was just, it all came together so nicely. The defense just hit. They were getting timely scoring. You know, Bev Priestman had them, them ticking, and since then it's just been, uh, you know, rather inconsistent. They've had some good performances where they look like the gold medalist, uh, but then they've also had some struggles and even dating back to the Olympics, dating back to the 2019 World Cup, uh, the big issue that continues to dog them is scoring. And I think that's what, you know, what's going to kind of distinguish them from, uh, uh, you know, some of the other favorites is that you look at this team and it's just world class at the back. Like Kadisha Buchanan, Vanessa Gilles, Kaylin Sheridan, Ashley Lawrence, you can put them up against anyone in the world, but you're looking at the attack. It's Who's going to score? Uh, you know, Christine Sinclair isn't, you know, goal scorer these days. Janine Becky isn't there, and she was someone who'd kind of stepped up uh, over the last few years. So you're looking, is it Jordan Hoytema's time to shine? Uh, you know, she's, she's had some good form down in the NWSL, but still remains unproven. Chloe Lacasse has done well in Portugal, but still unproven for Canada. There's just so many question marks up front. And ultimately, while defenses uh, can get you far, you're only about, you're going to go as far as your goals get you. And right now, it's just the, the lack of goals is a big reason why they're so low in the favorites, I'd say. As you pointed out, there's holes in this team anyway, but I think we also have to don't we have to call a spade a spade and say that the politics is, has had an impact on this team? I mean, the fact that they have not played many matches this season, that's that's on the association and, and uh, all of this uh, labor turmoil, isn't it? Absolutely, and it, its preparation is crucial because we talk about some of these holes in this Canadian team, such as the attack or, you know, how do they best set up their midfield? Sometimes that's best figured out by playing friendlies, by training, by, you know, just practice. And, you know, last fall they had a great opportunity. They played six, you know, friendlies from September to November and it helped a lot. You you know, we learned some combos that didn't work, some combos that worked. But then for them uh, this year so far, they've had an opportunity to play at least uh, seven. So there was a three-match window in February. It was a two-match window in April. And there's a two-match window in June. And they've only played four, uh, plus the closed-door friendly. That is something where that's just not enough. You add in that the pre-tournament camp was a lot shorter than a, than a lot of other teams around the world. Part of that is also on some of the leagues and, and how they release players. But still, it, it, they're at a point where it's not optimal, given some of the warts that they, they have in their team that they've uh, been able to work on. And now it's going to be so interesting heading to this opener because we haven't seen them for since April. So it's like, yeah, they've been working on stuff, but we don't know if they've been able to answer some of those questions. What is that midfield going to look like? What is the attack going to look like? So it's a... Now, all that being said, all that being said, though, this is the World Cup. This is not the She Believes Cup. At the She Believes Cup, I think you can sort of, you know, uh, take your political stance here. At the World Cup, you know, these players don't know how many of them they're going to get, right? So they, they do do their best. We just wish that they had the prep, I guess. I mean, it's not a matter of them taking a stance at this tournament, is it? Well, that's it. I think it's something where... 
Christine Sinclair was also quite adamant, in, uh, you know, about a month ago, saying that for for Canada, it was, they wanted to just have it out of the way by the the time the World Cups come around. We haven't had any formal updates, so we'd like to imagine that there's been hopefully some progress behind the doors. And Jason DeVos is, you know, he's been knocking on a lot of doors and, and talking to a lot of people since his hire, and you know, hopefully that that's led to some some progress in that regard. But yeah, absolutely, preparation is is so crucial for uh, a tournament like this, especially when. You know, with with, that, with how this World Cup format works, the fact that Canada booked their their spot last summer—it's just you had this whole year to prepare. The fact that you didn't maximize your opportunity—that's always going to be a disadvantage, and mm. that's you know it hurts because Canada's should be a favorite heading in this tournament. Even with everything going on, they're still a favorite in the sense that if everything goes right them on their day, they're going to be in the mix. So you'd only imagine what those sort of margins could do if they had those extra preparation days, right? Yeah, these are such rare opportunities. And you hope, um, as we saw with the men in Qatar, like the, I think you made the argument the politics carried over the pitch there and it didn't help them whatsoever. So you hope that's left aside and that once they get between the lines, the whistle goes. We can just well. Also, the lesson there, Matt. You you blink well, and it's over too. Right? And like, that was be, my next question. Quick. I mean, they're massive favorites against Nigeria here, Alex. But you tell me, handicap the group here. Is there a banana peel uh, that 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 could come into play? Yeah, I think there's a, there's two banana peels actually. I think Canada really got no favors with the draw that they've been given for uh, this tournament. Because first of all, I mean, there's no easy pot one team. Um, you can argue on paper Australia was favorable, but it's the hosts, right? It's, you're, you're, you're probably going to face them against a sold-out crowd in Australia. It's going to be your third match. So it could be a must-win by, by then, depending on how the, the cookie crumbles otherwise. And then the first two games, Nigeria for me is the big one because they're ranked number 40 in the world. Just you know, th- eliminate that one from your minds. It, it's it, you know, it's an absurd the way the ranking system works. I think no African team is ranked above forty, uh, and it, you just watching Nigeria play, they are very talented. I mean, they have one of the best players in the group in Asasat Oshawala. She's the starting striker for Barcelona. They just won a Champions League. Uh, she you know she scored over a hundred goals for them over the last four seasons. One of the you know, just a premium talent. And they've got a few other players as well that are no slouches. They play good soccer. You saw it last year when they played Canada. They gave Canada a heck of a fight. And that was without Oshawala, who wasn't even there. Like, that, that's a very good team. And then Ireland, they're, they're higher ranked uh, at, at 22. They're going to be frustrating because they play a 5-4-1. They play disciplined. Uh, they're they're going to play very organized behind the ball. They played the U.S. in a pair of friendlies in, in April, I want to say it was, and the combined score was only 3-0 for the U.S., who typically love to play those sorts of low-block defensive teams. Canada struggles against those sorts of uh, you know teams that sit back. They, they, they struggle to find those chance creation that play in between the lines. So that's a game where I could easily see Canada get frustrated and maybe finish with a nil-nil draw. And you know how drop points loom so large in, in this tournament. So yeah, there's two big banana peels where they're going to have a lot of questions to answer of, okay, can they handle that, you know, the talent, the, the speed of Nigeria? And then can they go up against Ireland, break them down? And that's just before even you get into the big match, the, the Australia against a you know, sold-out crowd. So it's a tough group for sure. Can they score in transition easier? Do you think? Because I agree. I remember watching that even in the Olympics, Alex. That they, uh, you know, they're not big chance creators. They're not big scores. There's no sniper in there anymore with Christine um, getting on in years. So are they better off, you know, sort of trading chances and opening up play and trying to get goals in transition? What do you think? I'd say normally I'd agree with you, but I think the one issue that they're also facing heading into this World Cup is the winger depth and they've had some injuries to some key wingers Janine Becky's not here she's you know a key speedster in transition with her chance creation Nichelle Prince is about as fast as they come in the you know in the world 
I don't know if she'll be able to go more than 30 with her coming off a recent Achilles, uh, you know, tear. Deanne Rose, similar situation, also had an Achilles. She, you know, she hasn't played more than 30 minutes since September uh, in a match. So that's something as well where those are three key speedsters for Canada. You're looking Chloe Lacasse. You know, she isn't, you know, as big of a speedster. She relies a bit more on her 1v1 skills, her, her you know, that sort of trickery in, in her game. Jordan Hoytema, you know, has got decent wheels on her as well, but she's not, say, like a true speedster like, uh, you know, Nichelle Prince. I'd say the same for Evelyn Vian. Olivia Smith can be, a, a, you know, a, a bit of a speedster herself, but she's just 18 and, you know, only has, a, I think, two caps at the senior level. So I don't think they necessarily have the speed to play in transition. So they're, they are going to have to figure it out on the ball in there. I think that's going to be a big question of, okay, can, can they find a formation that gets the most out of Jesse Fleming, Julia Grosso, Ashley Lawrence, Jade Revere, all these players on the ball who can who prefer to, to, to you know, play in possession and they don't necessarily have that speed that we just mentioned. And uh, I probably owe Australia an apology because they're the fifth choice in the tournament at five, ten to one, whereas Canada is thirty-five to one. So, banana peel is not quite doing them justice. You know, Alex, I almost stopped you because you said, "Where are the goals going to come from?" And I guess for the last quarter century with this team, it's been a pretty simple answer: where the goals are going to come from. How much do you expect Christine to play? How effective is she now at this level? And then the big question, um, will she be taking the penalties, uh, especially with Janine Becky missing? Will she be taking the penalties, or do you anticipate that someone else will be charged with those duties after the way it went down against Sweden four years ago? Well, to answer the last question, it's Jesse Fleming. Uh, she's took the two huge penalties at the Olympics uh, you know, one thing against the U.S. Uh, in the semis, one against Sweden in the final, both in regulation with Sinclair on the field. Uh, she's kind of become the de facto taker since then. Only missed one, if I'm not mistaken, out of six or seven. She's pretty pretty darn good at, uh, at those. So that's good news that she's kind of stepped up. As for the other ones, it's a great question because I think we have to get used to this is a different Sinclair. But this Sinclair... Is, is aged like a fine wine. We just maybe haven't realized it in the ways that we're used to. You know, we're used to Sinclair scoring for fun. What I found fascinating, I, this came up a few months ago in my research, Sinclair has actually won as many trophies in the last, since I think the start of 2020, as she did the, the six years prior at the club level. And she's playing a key role for the Portland Thorns, but what's changed is she's playing a little deeper. She's playing more in the midfield. She's being a bit more of an orchestrator, you know, that, that player pulling the strings. But for, for Canada, we haven't necessarily seen that. She's kind of been stuck in a hybrid role where she's been, when she's been, uh, you know, playing, she's been tasked to kind of still lead the line and, and, and kind of be that goal scorer she was back in the day. So I think for Canada, it's going to be important to look that, look, she's at, at 40. She's still a key part on one of the best teams in the NWSL. Such a fun team to watch the Thorns, but she's doing so from deep. She only plays 60 in games. She'll start, come off after 60, like routine, like clockwork, or she'll come off the bench and give you 30. So for Canada, I think they need to look at that and be like, okay, that's what Sinclair is at this stage of her career. Give her that 60 as a, maybe a midfielder or have her come off the bench and try to affect games in that way. She turned into a Tiba. Yeah, what? Well, like vintage, vintage Atiba, right? You know, like uh, it doesn't need to be a goal scorer to be uh, a legend uh, in the midfield right now. So. And she... Uh, she turned she 40 that. last month, so, you know, without wanting to limit her, I imagine this is her last World Cup, and as we have talked about, uh, it would be only fitting if FIFA's all-time world goal scorer went out with some glory here in this World Cup for Canada down under. 
Alex, very insightful. Thank you for this, my friend. We'll catch up soon. Awesome. Pleasure, guys. Always love hopping on. Harrison Price from Wall Center, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips? It is going to be so great. One error on yesterday's show. It's from Blake, and thank you to listener... Who's the listener, Grady, who pointed it out? I didn't see it. That would be, give me a second, I know this okay. is making great podcasting, that's Kevin Carlton. Thanks, Kevin. Box. Thank you, Kevin. Rory Sabertini is not the slow play guy, he's the guy who complained about the slow playing guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ben Crane. There was a whole to-do, because he kind of uh, took off on him. Well, he just he just walked off. Yeah. He's not going to play the next hole. Yeah. You go, you sit there, Ben, you keep sizing up that putt from every angle. I'm going to go play next. In 2005, week. and he eventually had to come around and apologize, did Rory Sabatini. But Fiery guy, Rory Sabatini. He was. Yeah. I do I remember that yeah. part. Yeah. I remember he married, was it a Czech girl and played for the Czech Republic or oh, Slovakia really? in the Olympics? Yeah. He played, He played. Uh, I think, fairly regularly played At the ACC. Canada, yes. Yeah. Bodog Line in the Daytime featuring Blake Price. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. So you like what you got. I'm going to the... Open Championship, and they've got first-round matchups, so it's just 1v1. Really? Jim Lowry versus Matt Fitzpatrick. Oh, wow. I and, missed that tab. Yeah, and I'm going with Matt Fitzpatrick. He's even. Even money right now. Great iron play. I mean, they're both great iron players. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. Fitzpatrick, a, a little bit more of a darling pick right now than Shane Lowry is. He'll have the crowd behind him. So, Fitzpatrick, Lowry for... Comparison's sake is minus one twenty. So you get even money on Matt yep. Fitzpatrick. Uh, that's my bottle going of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder: subscribe to us and Rinkwide wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on Twitter, Insta, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Threads. And please do support those community sponsors we keep telling you about. Keep it local.